Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Monday, April the 24th, 2023. On this edition of The Politocrat, Tucker Carlson is fired by Fox. And within an hour of that firing, Don Lemon is fired by CNN. Two different firings, two different networks, and on the same day, within an hour of each other. I'll go beyond what this means for those of you who watch the corporate news media. Plus, I'll be offering some context and history behind some of what has happened. All of that coming up next. Bienvenue, a very good Monday to you here on the Politocrat Daily Podcast. Yours truly, Omar Moore, and hoping that you are well on this merry Monday, a sunny one here in San Francisco, California. I hope that it is sunny wherever you may be across the world when you listen to this episode of the Politocrat Daily Podcast, whether it is today, Monday, April the 24th, 2023, or whenever you may be happening, just be happening, I should say, to listen to it. I am glad that you are here aboard and welcome, welcome and welcome. And I want to get straight to things today about what is happening on a media level, actually. I want to get to that because I really want to talk about the media, news media, the corporate news media here in the United States. It's not a subject that I have ever had a lack of words about. But I do want to say, I'm sure you know by now, Tucker Carlson was fired today by Fox News. Now, that's not, to me something that I'm going to be ever giving Fox credit for. Fox has for decades practiced racism, misogyny, sexual harassment, rape, and all manner of other evils throughout its time, whether on the air or off the air, behind the scenes or in front of the scenes. That is the sex, the cesspool sex. Oh, goodness. That is the cesspool of Fox News, so-called news. It's not news. It's propaganda. It's fascism. And it is lies and filth that gets broadcasted to millions of people every day in the United States who continue to sit there like the uh, so-called low education voters and low information voters. They are such a polite way of saying people who are numbskulls sit there and watch Fox News every day. And some people who aren't numbskulls sit there and watch it as well. Now, look, here's the story. Tucker Carlson should have been gone a long time ago. But Tucker Carlson being fired from Fox really doesn't mean much of anything. And I'll tell you why. This is about a news network and a media ecosystem. And in fact, it even goes beyond that. It looks at, in my view, this goes beyond all this. What this, go, what this really is, really is the thing that begat Fox News. The two things that begat Fox News. Do you know which two things that I'm talking about? I'm talking about the 1987 Fairness Doctrine that got scrapped. It actually was created before 1987, but that doctrine got scrapped in 1987 by Ronald Reagan's FCC. They scrapped that. The Fairness Doctrine meant that you had to give equal time to opposing or competing viewpoints. So that if there was someone who came on your air, on the news media, and spoke or requested time for 10 or 15 minutes, say if it was a, some kind of commercial or just someone on the air, that you would be duty-bound under the doctrine of the fairness doctrine to allow a competing view of equal time to be on that same air. That's what Fairness Doctrine in a nutshell is really about. You know what the second thing was? Because Reagan and his FCC scrapped the Fairness Doctrine in 87. But do you know what the other thing is that brought about Fox News? That would be President Clinton. In 1996, the Telecommunications Act, the Telecommunications Act was the very thing 
that brought also brought about Fox News. When that bill was passed into law in 1996, it deregulated the news media. The news media went from being controlled, various forms of media in the news media, whether it be TV, whether it be radio, it went from being controlled by, say, three to 500 different companies and entities to being controlled by just five. In other words, there was a monopoly on the media. Five corporations controlled it after that 1996 Telecommunications Act was signed into law by Bill Clinton, the president of the United States at the time. So you had one Republican president and you had one Democratic president who had a massive effect on the way the media is in the United States and what it has become, especially the news media, the corporate news media. In fact, media overall. So this is very serious. That's what brought Fox News about because when Fox, I think, began operation in 1998, all hell broke loose. And they just stood there and they lied. They lied and they lied and they lied. And then they had racists on the air like Tucker Carlson, like Bill O'Reilly, and numerous others. You had people on that air who were saying all kinds of disgusting things about black people, brown people. You had people on there who were insulting all kinds of groups of people, attacking the LGBTQIA community, saying misogynistic things. That's what you had. You had a filth brigade and a filth parade on Fox News, which isn't a news organization. It's a lying organization. And it was all about accessorizing Republicans and fascists. That's what Fox so-called news is and was. And it was brought to you by... President Ronald Reagan and President Bill Clinton. It was brought to you by the 1987 scrapping of the Fairness Doctrine by the FCC under Reagan. And it was brought to you by, just nine years later, the 1996 Telecommunications Act that was signed into law by President Bill Clinton that deregulated the media. So now, most of the media that you hear, if you're looking at the radio stations, 96% of it plus is controlled by right-wing corporations. Sinclair Broadcasting. Clear Channel, controlled by right-wing corporations. And all you get now is talk news radio that's conservative if you go down the dial. And the only way to get away from that is either A, not listen to it, or B, listen to Sirius XM. You've got to pay for that, which is not a, a huge amount of money. And you will still have some conservative channels on Sirius XM, but you have a lot of variety and, and diversity in terms of viewpoint. You have some stations that are progressive, some that cater to black communities, and you have one or two that can cater to the Republicans and the conservatives. If you want to have different viewpoints, that's the best way to do it. The fairness doctrine used to require that. But as I've said to you already, and I've said it more than just this episode, I've done it, said it many times on the Politocrat Daily Podcast in the past, that once that fairness doctrine and that whole notion of equal time got scrapped, and once the 1996 Telecommunications Act was signed into law by Bill Clinton, and basically that was done as a favor to the Republican Speaker of the House at that time, Newt Gingrich, once that got done nearly 30 years ago, that was the beginning of the end of the news media in the United States. The beginning and the end of it. It's the beginning and the end of media, basically. And now you've got just five corporations controlling 95 plus percent of the news media content in this country. And that should never be. It makes the days of The Insider, the film about Jeffrey Wigand, remember all of that around the same time that this Telecommunications Act was signed into law? Remember that with Jeffrey Wigand, who was an executive VP at a tobacco company called Brown and Williamson? You remember that? And he was a whistleblower. And he was 
there on CBS 60 Minutes to say, hey, look, you know what? Brown and Williamson tried to silence me and they are lying about their product. Nicotine is addictive, addictive, addictive. And those CEOs lied. And I'm telling you, I've got all the evidence. Here's all the stuff, the da, 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 da. And CBS 60 Minutes, no, well, we're not going to put that on the air. We had this guy risk his life. Jeffrey Wigan, but we're not gonna we're not gonna televise it now. We're gonna take it off the air. And then they did eventually put it on the air a few weeks later after pressure. Right? This is around 96, 97. This is around the same time after this fairness doctrine came into play. The scrapping of it, rather, and the uh Signing of the Telecommunications Act, specifically, I should say, around that time, just after 1996. I mean, let's just look at what's going on here, shall we? Shall we? This is bigger than Tucker Carlson. Everybody's there, they're spending all their time in the corporate news media, waxing on about Tucker Carlson, who's a racist piece of garbage, we know that. The only thing that is missing from him is his damn sheet. By the way, do you know that Tucker Carlson was born here in San Francisco, California? (gasps) Oh, yes, he was. Yes, he was. That piece of garbage shouldn't be on any air. And the thing is, is that this is much bigger, again, than one freaking racist. Really? Really? I'm not trivializing the kind of garbage that he espouses or the danger of it or the danger that he poses as a piece of garbage. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to write that off. What I am saying is, is that everyone's focusing on one friggin' person. When I want you, dear listener, to be focusing on the context around things that got us to that one person who got fired today by Fox. And no, I'm going to repeat this. Fox is not a freaking hero for doing what it should have done. In fact, now what I would like is to see Fox disappear. They wriggled out of trouble last week when they paid off Dominion or at least the suit, the settlement of the suit announced that they were going to be paying $787,500,000 to Dominion. That's what they did. But, you know, they got off lightly there. But they're still, you know, they're still very much in the spotlight here, Fox, because there is going to be another, there's another suit suit now. Abby Grossberg is going to be suing Fox. And a lot of what she has to say in her suit deals with Tucker Carlson and the misogynistic atmosphere that he presided over at Fox when she was there. And that's the reason that Fox got rid of Tucker Carlson. Not because Tucker Carlson's a racist, not because he is a Klansman, not because, because that's really what he is, not because he is someone who continues to lie and promote bullcrap on the air and radicalize white people into violence. Not because of any of that. Uh, they don't care about that. As long as it makes their rating shine, they'll take all the hatred and the racism and all the freaking violence they can get from Tucker Carlson. Oh, but when you affect our bottom line and you've got now someone who's going to be suing the pants off of Fox because of Tucker Carlson and because, hey, this guy promoted the culture of hatred and misogynistic behavior. Oh, oh, well, that's affecting our bottom line. We better get rid of him because, you know, when we get sued, we want to be able to say, we are done with Tucker Carlson. Hey, we took steps. It's all about their bottom line. Monet, honey, honey, money, honey. That's what it's about. Not even trying to be that cynical with you today. It's kind of too early in the week for me to be as cynical as I can get, as you know. But any time is a good time to tell the truth. And so in that way, if the truth comes across cynically, then it does. 
We all know that Fox and any other corporation, lying or truthful, cares about the bottom line. It's all about the money. And when the money is threatened at issue, you know what's going to happen. Fox and any other corporation is going to make a business decision. And that's what it's going to do. That's what it's going to do. So this is about the history of where the media is in this country. This is about the fact that if we had an elimination of the Telecommunications Act, and if we did not have the scrapping of the Fairness Doctrine, we wouldn't have a Tucker Carlson. We wouldn't have one. I'm not saying that media would be perfect, but we would have a more robust media, a media that actually challenges things and speaks truth to power. This is why you have to focus on listening to people like Roland Martin. Black-owned media matters. This is why you have to listen to free speech TV. This is why you have to deal with the notion of independent media because that's what free speech TV is. This is what you have to do. Instead of listening to the corporate news media, and look, I'm not saying that people shouldn't. I, I really don't tend to do that. But add something to your diet that isn't just the same people that you see on CNN, and I'll be talking about them in the next segment, and MSNBC and anyone else, including Fox, of course. So the bottom line is, dear listener, that we didn't get to the point of a Tucker Carlson just overnight. We didn't. We didn't. This has happened over 40 years, four zero years. And there are Republican presidents as well as one Democratic president who have had a hand in bringing us to where we are now. In fact, the Democratic president I am referring to, Bill Clinton, once said, oh, you know, yeah, maybe I deregulated the media a little bit too much. Yeah, he said that to someone years ago. And no crap, Sherlock. I think you did. I know you did. You certainly did. We need to diversify our diet of media. And we need to start listening to people who don't get a whole lot of airtime. But people who now have their own media companies like Roland Martin, the Black Star Network. Please download that app. So that you can get information and news from him that you would never get on any of these other Networks out here. CBS and all these companies, 60 Minutes who are part of CBS and all the rest. There's mo- The money is the motive now. You've got right-wingers like MTG on 60 Minutes and then you've got someone as established and esteemed as Leslie Stahl just sitting there and just shrugging and making a face after lie after lie after lie is being told. Well, you know that the corporate news media has gone to the birds. Completely gone to the birds. And you know that. It's been gone to the birds and for the birds forever. Ever since this fairness doctrine got scrapped and ever since the Telecommunications Act got signed into law. When you've got one focus on one news story all day long, that's, there we go. You can't focus on that. Six hours later, the same news story. Six hours later, the same news story. Six hours later, the same news story. The same people talking about it. Rotating the punditry. Same issue. No one talks about the importance of voting. No one talks about, you you need to do this, this, and this. No, it's all about opinion, opinion, opinion. And look, podcasters, we talk and we have opinions. (laughs) But my goodness sake, for goodness sake, my goodness me, for God's sake, man. We have to supply information to our audience, information that they can use. That's one of the things I like to think that I do here. Supply you with information and knowledge that 
can help you make affirmative things happen in your life when it comes to voting and the political landscape where you live. We need an educated populace. And if we don't have that, we have the situation that we are in now. And we have idiocracy. Because that's what we have right now. Idiocracy. And we have talk show hosts dominating the roost. Talk show hosts giving you news. That shouldn't be that way. I shouldn't have to be hearing John Stewart do that. Now, he did it well when he was at The Daily Show. But that was out of necessity because, again, you have a corporate news media that doesn't inform people with the things they need to know. It's all about what the corporations want you to know rather than what you really should be aware of. And I just sit here and I go, you know, again, it tells you something when you've got Trevor Noah, he's no longer doing The Daily Show, but it tells you something when you have Trevor Noah, when you have Jon Stewart, and when you have Jimmy Kimmel giving you the news, Stephen Colbert giving you the news as part of their late... That never used to be the thing on late night. Johnny Carson wasn't doing that stuff. Jay Leno wasn't even really doing that stuff. He was making jokes about it, maybe. But he wasn't going giving you news and... Come on. I mean, really? Steve Allen wasn't doing that back in the 60s. Steve Allen wasn't doing... The Merv Griffin... Merv Griffin wasn't doing that on his talk show back in the day. Come on now. Bob Hope. Uh, come on. And this is where we are. And and we shouldn't have late night hosts. I've got nothing against any of those people I mentioned as late night, like late night hosts. But my goodness me, where is the corporate news media? Well, we, I've just told you where they are. They're in the toilet. They're in the toilet. It's about the state of the media that so many of us watch. It's not about just one person. Come on. As I said, I'm not minimizing anything that Tucker Carlson's done. He's a racist piece of garbage. He's a misogynistic asshat. We all know this. It's about the whole ecosystem to begin with. That's what this is about. And we have to start looking at other media instead. And I'm talking about Black Star Network with Roland Martin. I'm talking about Sirius XM with the diverse voices there on the Urban View. I'm talking about freespeechtv.org. All of these people, all these organizations are much better. Democracynow.org. These are the people and the places you need to be going to to get news and information that you're not getting from these networks now that focus on one story a day and on a lot of fluff and sensationalism and not much thinking at all. They got their Second Amendment rights, and they actually got the NRA played a big role in that. But today, down the but final, the NRA did not play a big absolutely role. Absolutely, they trained that. black Americans how to use firearms. Like that's a lie. But that's at, not. The NRA actually, did not play a big role. This in is that. just historical fact. It's not the, historical the, fact. The, the part that I just find because you say it's historical the fact. Part that I find insulting fact. is when you say today black Americans don't have those rights after we have the gone through that I civil rights revolution in this country. You are sitting here telling an African American about the rights and what you find insulting about the the way I live, the skin I live in every day. Here's where you and I have the freedom of black and white that black people don't have in this country here, and that black people do have. Well, here's country. where you and I have a different point of view. I think we should be able to express our views regardless of the color of our skin. We should have this debate I'm not saying you without me regarding views, you as a black man, insulting that but you're me regarding you as a fellow citizen. That you're That's sitting what I think here, whatever ethnicity you are, explaining to me whatever ethnicity about I'm what it's like to be black Whatever America. ethnicity I'm I am, I'll tell you what I am. I'm an Indian American. I'm proud of it. But I think we should have this debate. Black, white, doesn't matter. I think we should have this on debate on the content of the ideas. Do it, you should do it in an honest way and in a fair way. And what you're doing is not an honest and fair way. Okay? It, with, we appreciate you coming on. With thank due you respect, Don, I look Thank forward to continuing that conversation. We'll thank you. The conversation. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Papa. We'll talk about China. Yes, tell us about China. Time you come back. Oh, thank you. Much to say on declaring independence from China. Okay. So that you can, can move on now, please. Thank you. Thank you. Here at our own network. CNN's Oliver Darcy is back with us. Oliver, what do you know? Uh, some shocking news again, John, in the world of cable news. Uh, Don Lemon 
and CNN have parted ways. This is according to a memo that was sent out to CNN employees uh, just moments ago. I'll read to you part of it, John. Uh, actually, most of it. It says, CNN and Don have parted ways. Don will forever be a part of the CNN family, and we thank him for his contributions over the past 17 years. We wish him well, and we will be cheering him on in his future endeavors. And then it goes on to say that uh, the network is committed to the morning show seen in this morning, which, of course, is hosted or was hosted uh, by Don Lemon, as well as Caitlin Collins and Poppy Harlow. Now, this statement is coming from CNN CEO Chris Licht. It does not detail what happened, why, what led to uh, Don's departure. But uh, Don Lemon is no longer with uh, CNN, according to this memo that just went out to CNN employees, John. That was going to be my follow-up, as it was in the Tucker Carlson case, when we announced that he is leaving Fox, or he and Fox have parted ways. At the top of the show was the why, but it's clear from that that we don't have any more information on that, correct? Uh, not at the moment, John, but rest assured, once I uh, get out of here, I will be making some calls. Oliver Darcy, appreciate the hustle very much on this breaking news story. And again, I don't know the details happening while I'm sitting in the chair here, uh, but uh, I work here. I love this place. I uh, certainly wish uh, Don the best. He's always been good to me as a colleague. So you just heard two clips, dear listener, and welcome back. First, you heard Don Lemon last week and a Republican presidential candidate, one of the lesser known candidates, going back and forth. And you heard the back and forth just a few minutes ago. And the bottom line here is that the second piece of audio today, which was today, was self-explanatory. CNN has fired Don Lemon. Now, Don Lemon is one of the few black anchors on CNN. There is, I think, if I can remember off the top of my head, I think this, I hope they're they're still there. I mean, they seem to be pretty decent people. Victor Blackwell and Frederica Whitfield are the only other two black anchors that I can remember when I used to watch CNN a few years back, I remember seeing both of them, Now I don't know if there are any more, who are anchors. Now, I know that there was, I'm just trying to think about this now. Um, there was another person there. Um, her first name was Abby. I forget what her last name is. She was a commentator uh, on CNN politics. Now, I don't know if she has a show of her own or not, but all I know is the two people I can think of besides Don Lemon, who are were anchors there, two black anchor, two other black anchors I can think of, or Victor Blackwell. Victor Black Blackwell would do the weekends. I don't know if he still does. And Frederica Whitfield. Now Frederica Whitfield would also do the weekends. I don't know if she still does. So now you're getting rid of another black anchor. And look, Don Lemon, somebody who I think was the most prominent of all of those anchors. In fact, at one point he was, at least when I used to watch. He was the kind of anchor who was must-see TV, quite frankly, especially back in 2020 uh, in the aftermath of the murder, the lynching of George Floyd. He was the person that a lot of people tuned into to hear, A, what was going on, what his opinions were, and B, because listen, these are all opinion shows now, and B, to see the guests that he had on, because he usually had really... um, lightning rod guests or guests who really provided some information that was really useful. And he would get into conversations and discussions back and forth with them. Now, look, Don Lemon, to me, is not the best anchor. I don't think he's the best interviewer. I've criticized him a lot, not just here on the Political Daily Podcast, but definitely with people that I talk to. I do not think that he is a very, necessarily very good anchor. And I don't think he's a great interviewer by a long shot. I just have have constantly had issues with the way he talks about certain things and the way he talks about women, the way he dismisses sometimes his own people, black folk, sometimes. However, I think he's, however, listen to me talking about however, I think he, you know, at times, though, is useful as someone who speaks out about things, because I do think that Don Lemon's voice there is necessary. And I thought that he was someone, even though, as I said, he said some comments about women that are misogynistic and he talked about most recently Nikki Haley and I can't stand Nikki Haley. You know, he's talked about uh, Nikki Haley um, being past her prime. I mean, that's just ridiculous and stupid and sexist and misogynistic. It's, it's pure sexism at work. He's not saying that President Joe Biden's past his prime. 
He's not saying anything like that. No, 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 no. He's not saying anything about the twice impeached, indicted piece of garbage being past his prime. Oh, no, he's talking about Nikki Haley, who respectively is some 30 and 27 years younger than both of those two people I mentioned previously. So, look, the bottom line is that Don Lemon has said some things at that network. He used the N-word in a show years ago on CNN dedicated to the end, to literally the word N, you know? And, and he literally spent a whole hour talking about that show, talking about that um, word. And he said it on the air live in full. So Don Lemon is not somebody that I'm sitting here going, you know what? This guy um, is this great guy. Now, look, again, there have been times where I thought his advocacy at times was useful. Usually it would be when you were talking about verdicts and trials that either did go the way they should or did not go the way they should. And it was good to hear what he had to say. He was brought on a lot of times for that specific reason. And somebody who I think at times spoke and told it like it was. At times. At times. I'm not even saying 60% of the time. I'm saying at times. At times. He was suspended recently for those comments around Nikki Haley, those sexist remarks, which I think have no place anywhere on that network or anywhere else. It's disgrace. It doesn't matter how much I don't like Nikki Haley. What I also don't like is sexism. What I also don't like is misogyny. What I also don't like is frequent uses or any use of that word beginning with N. And Don Lemon was on the air at CNN, and you can go find this probably on YouTube somewhere, where he's using that word N. He's saying it in full. And with everything I've just said, this firing of Don Lemon today was completely unjustified. And it was done by a right-wing CEO at CNN named Chris Licht, L-I-C-H-T. And this is, I think, quite frankly, not just coincidence today that it happened on the same day Tucker Carlson got canned. I think this is about trying to deflect the blows, if you will on the right wing from this racist piece of garbage, Tucker Carlson, this misogynistic piece of garbage, Tucker Carlson, and this lying piece of garbage, fascist piece of garbage, Tucker Carlson. I mean, that's what I think this move by CNN was designed for. Chris Licht is a right wing shill and he made sure that he tried to deflect the blow. And by the way, let me tell you something else about this situation. They didn't let Don Lemon know directly. They didn't call him into the office and say, we'd like to talk to you. No, 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 no. They called his agent and they reached out to his agent. I mean, why can't you just talk to him directly? He was at your network for 17 years. Why wouldn't you? He gave him a new show. You gave him this CNN Tonight show that he had. And then you shuffled him off to the morning. So that was a telltale sign that you probably weren't going to be around for very much longer. And boom, he, he actually hosted the show this morning on CNN this morning. And then, boom, within a couple of hours after he finished that, they canned him. No reasons given, none publicly given either, not at the minute. I'm going to read for you on the other side, by the way, because I'm going to take a break now. I just want to let that sink in, and I'll talk more about this. But I want you, uh, after the break, to come back and listen, because I'm going to be reading out the statement that Don Lemon put out on social media. And I'll be doing that right after this. It doesn't happen like we think it does. No one rolls the tanks. No armies meet in pitched battle. It happens quietly, little by little. And because so many think it can't happen, it does happen. Little by little, the rules change. It doesn't seem shocking or sudden. And that's the point. Fewer places to vote, longer lines. Don't worry, they say, we're just improving the system. They hope we won't notice the rules are changing because they lost the last election. They hope we just won't care enough to stop them. 
They believe they can take America away from us, and we won't even notice. We know who they are. We know what they want. The question is, who are we? Do we let them get away with it, or do we fight? Democracy is on the ballot. Vote while your vote still counts. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. I was informed this morning by my agent that I have been terminated by CNN. I am stunned. After 17 years at CNN, I would have thought that someone in management would have had the decency to tell me directly. At no time was I ever given any indication that I would not be able to continue to do the work I have loved at the network. It is clear that there are some larger issues at play. With that said, I want to thank my colleagues and the many teams I have worked with for an incredible run. They are the most talented journalists in the business, and I wish them all the best. Now, that was Don Lemon earlier today, dear listener. Welcome back to this edition of the Political Daily Podcast. That was from his Twitter page, at Don Lemon, and that was his statement that he tweeted out earlier today. And the news came out um, within that time, literally a few minutes after that, or around that time. The news networks, and I played you a clip earlier, on CNN itself, announced that Don Lemon was sacked from CNN. They parted ways. It's just a nice way of saying that they got fired. And so that's what happened. And as I said before uh, the break, they did not have the decency, and Don Lemon said so in the statement, they didn't even tell him directly. And then you had a statement from CNN PR Communications, CNN Communications on Twitter saying, oh, well, you know, we, this is not true what Don Lemon said. We did speak to this, but I mean, it's just a back and forth and it's just silly. So, you know, that is the crazy thing. It really is absolutely nuts. So the bottom line is, is that Don Lemon is without a job there. And I talked about this earlier on before this, because look, um, yeah, there's lots of things that Don Lemon said on the air that I had no agreement with whatsoever. I didn't agree with. But then there were times also where he spoke up and said things that needed to be said. And so I think that it's an unjustified firing. You can fire someone um, for, I guess, what is it? For no cause. Um, and you can fire them for cause, but you cannot fire them for, um, obviously, based on race or religion or gender or anything like orientation, anything like this. Um, I guess you can fire someone for no cause, but I guess that's what this would be, a no cause firing. But maybe there's a possibility of a... Uh, oh God, I'm trying. I just had the words in my mind and I just forgot them. Um, a wrongful termination suit. Maybe there's a possibility of that for Don Lemon. I don't know if he really wants to do that. Um, he'd have to prove that they did this based upon his race, racial identity or anything like that. And that's going to be very hard to prove. Although this right winger, Chris Licht, it wouldn't shock me um, anything about him. But the thing is, is that this is the scenario that you're looking at here now. And Don Lemon is out of CNN. Now, listen, I'm not crying for Don Lemon. Don Lemon is going to land on his feet elsewhere within the next few months. I'm confident that he will. He will land on his feet. And he'll have another job and he'll be making seven figures as he's been doing, seven or eight figures, and he'll be living very comfortably as he already does. So, look, I'm not concerned at all about Don Lemon, the person, in terms of his economic future. His, his economic future is all well and good. Here's what I am concerned about, is that you now have a continuing rising number of black news personalities being fired from these jobs. And again, this is why black-owned media matters. You need to go and watch Roland Martin Unfiltered. You need to download the Black Star Network app and start to watch the kind of programming there that caters to black people and caters to people who are interested in what's going on in black communities and also can pick up some really good tips for health and all these other good things. Really, black-owned media matters. And there's lots of black folk on the Black Star Network. 
I guarantee you that. But you see CNN, as I said earlier, they've got maybe two or three black anchors. The rest are white and maybe there's one or two other people who are there who are maybe one, maybe Asian, one, you know, CNN, you know, CNN and then MSNBC. You've got what, one or two black anchors there. One of them is Roland is Roland. One of them is Reverend Sharpton. He does work. He does it on the weekends now. And then you've got someone like Joy Reid, who is there on a weekday basis. MSNBC was firing black personalities on their network. And Joy Reid's one of the few left. Melissa Harris-Perry, I told you about that scenario. Remember that they also, MSNBC, fired Tiffany Cross just last November at the behest of the piece of garbage, Tucker Carlson, who's now gone. Then they, then they, and by the way, Tucker Carlson used to be on MSNBC. Okay. He also used to be on CNN. So again, also we've seen this, as I said, with Melissa Harris-Perry, as I mentioned, and the, we've seen on NBC, which is connected, of course, to MSNBC, we've seen on NBC the um, tokenism of the contract, the crappy contract that uh, Tamron Hall was given, which led her to say, I'm out of here. You know, and she's gone on to bigger and better things. But this is what's going on at these networks. You know, they are firing black talent. And the newsrooms continue to get whiter and whiter. And I didn't think they could possibly ever get any whiter, but they are. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. We need to be supporting black-owned media. That's what we need to be supporting. Black-owned, not black-targeted, black-owned. Like Black Star Network with Roland Martin. We need to be supporting all those things. You know, you do. And it was, by the way, very nice of John King, and I played the clip earlier. He did say at the end of his clip there earlier about Don Lemon being axed from CNN, that Don treated him really nicely as a colleague. And I thought that was nice of him to do. I remember that reminded me of what um, Joy Reid said about Tiffany Cross last year. When she got fired, she said, Tiffany's a friend and the sister's going to be fine. And that was very nice to offer that support on the air as it, as it happened. And I thought that it was good that John King, a CNN anchor, did the same thing So for Don Lemon. So that was good. We'll see if anybody else does that on CNN. But the bottom line is, is that this is another unjust firing. And clearly, CNN is moving rightward. And, and it has been under this right-wing shill, Chris Licht, who is the CEO of CNN, he is moving this network, the CNN network, to further right. That's what he's doing. And it wouldn't surprise me now if Tucker Carlson ended up on CNN again. It really wouldn't. You know, there's all these other right-wingers on there. It's just disgusting. The whole tenor of that network's changed. I don't watch it, but I've seen clips. It's not good stuff. It really is not. And they are looking to be Fox Light. They're begging for it. They really are. You know, and you've got the same thing going on MSNBC. Republicans populating that network as well. You've got John Kasich, the former Ohio governor, the Republican, being a contributor, and all these other Republicans and moderate Republicans being contributors on there. I mean, you don't see any progressives. You don't see too many progressives on that network now, do you? The so-called left-wing channel that has very few progressives on it. You know, no real progressive shows on there, but Reverend Sharpton's, and that's on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, it's just a joke. It's just a freaking joke. And so this is what I'm talking about media in terms of representation. And that's why you've got to support black-owned media. Uh, I'm sure Don Lemon will find his feet again soon. It's another unjust firing of a black person on a network. But then again, when you don't have control of the network you're on, hey, don't say I didn't warn you. I'll be right back. Look, uh, 
what the Republican legislature did was shocking, it was undemocratic, and it was um, without any precedent. But you turn it around very quickly. And uh, look, uh, we passed the most significant gun laws that have passed in 30 years, more to do. Um, what happened was that we did uh, we background checks and, you know, uh, legislation, so-called red flag laws. But uh, I signed the most extensive gun legislation in 30 years. But what I'm more proud of is when I was a senator, I was able to lead the fight with Diane Feinstein to block the assault weapons, sale of assault weapons, and the uh, number of cartridges could be in a magazine. And I think we still have to do that. And uh, But on so many issues, uh, you've been out front, and uh, you understand exactly what it's like. It's just tragic to see what's happening in your state in particular, in your city, but also across the country. And, uh, you know, nothing's guaranteed about democracy. Every, every generation has to fight for it. And you all are doing just that. And so, uh, you know, we have a lot to discuss. And with that, I know they're going to be really excited, but I'm going to ask the press to leave. Thank you. Mr. President, why do you want to yeah, there you go. That was President Biden earlier today and speaking to the Tennessee three or as I now say, the Tennessee two plus one, although I'm being a little bit harsh there. I look, Gloria Johnson, I talked about this before, dear listener. Gloria Johnson, actually, if you look at her career, um, uh, her time in the Tennessee Senate has done a lot of good things. Um, so, uh, but, but again, the reason why I say the Tennessee two is because there were only two people who got expelled, and both of them were black. Isn't that interesting? So, I, again, again, the bottom line here is that President Biden was at the White House there speaking to Justin Pearson, Justin Jones, both representatives, and also Gloria Johnson, also a representative, all three of them Democrats, in the Tennessee state legislature. And that was earlier today, welcoming all three of them to the White House. And as you heard there, talking and thanking them for what they have done in Tennessee to fight back against these fascists called Republicans. But that's what they are. They're fascists. These people, these Republicans in the Tennessee legislature, that is what they are. So there was just a portion, you know, that was a press. That's what is commonly done, by the way, in the, pre, in the uh, White House. They'll open up the meeting for a little press uh, coverage, pool coverage for a minute or two, and then they'll kick the press out of the room. And then you heard all that hullabaloo at the end there with the press shouting questions at President Biden, <laughs> you know. But anyway, I thought that was good that the president did that today. Um, there was going to be this meeting on Monday, and so it happened earlier today on this Monday. And, I, and it's good to see the Tennessee 3, if you will, or the Tennessee 2, or the Tennessee 2 plus 1, <laughs> depending on how you want to look at it. It doesn't matter. Uh, but, well, it does matter. But then again, look, all three of these people, the two Justins and Gloria, Johnson. Gloria, Gloria, I think you got enough. <laughs> oh, dear. It's not Laura, it's Laura Branigan, isn't it? Yeah, Laura. Br By the way, again, I've talked about Laura Branigan before. She did a song called Self Control as well from the early or mid 1980s. I, that's one of my favorite songs from that decade, uh, actually, Self Control. Um, I love the tune. Um, and then the dramatic part in the middle of the bridge of that song is pretty good too. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. Laura Branigan, I think she also did Gloria. I'm pretty confident of that. The song Gloria. I've played it actually, I think a clip of it on this podcast as well in the last few weeks. But the bottom line is all three of the representatives in Tennessee were given an audience, had an audience with President Biden today. And I thought that was really good by the president, who, by the way, today also honored the teacher of the year. Rebecca, da 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 da, da and I forget her last name, uh, from Oklahoma, named Teacher of the Year for 2023. I thought that then that was in the White House Rose Garden ceremony, honoring her and also shouting out other teachers 
Of course, one of those persons was actually Representative Jamal Bowman, the Brooklyn congressman, who, of course, is in the House of Representatives, and we know most recently uh, got a lot of headlines for his, shall we say, uh, conversation with the really uh, insane human being named Thomas Massey, that fascist out of uh, whichever city he's in, might be Kansas City or wherever the heck he's from, North Carolina, whatever, um, that fascist Thomas Massey, who made everybody come all the way back into Washington, D.C., most infamously during the height of the pandemic a couple of years ago, when he had everyone, I mean, really fly back into D.C. for a vote. I mean, that's the kind of spineless coward part of my language that he is. And not on the coward part. I'm saying pardon my language on the spineless part because I do know that there are people. Uh, anyway, let me not. Um, anyway, I apologize for spine. I, I'll call him some a sniveling coward. How's that? A sniveling dog. How's that? Um, oh, maybe that's an insult to dogs. A sniveling coward named Thomas Massey. How about that? I think that's probably better. Uh, he has no backbone. I mean, <laughs> just I go again. He is absolutely serv- He's absolutely a piece of garbage. And so that guy. So the representative uh, Jamal Bowman was at the White House today in the Rose Garden for that ceremony honoring the 2023 Teacher of the Year. One other thing I thought that was really uh, funny and amusing about the whole ceremony was President Biden shouted out someone today. And I thought it was really funny how he did it. Um, and the person had no idea, no idea that he, in fact, let me just see if I can get the audio for you. Hold on one second. I'll play this for you. The United States Senate, which I served a long time, if you would please excuse a point of personal privilege. I want to give a special mention to Ashley Lockwood from the state of Delaware. Ashley. Stand up. Besides, our daughter's name is Ashley as well. <laughs> Ash, thanks for what you do, kiddo. You make us proud. There you go. <laughs> so that was great. That was earlier today from the Rose Garden at the White House. It was just really good. Um, and it was a young black woman who got up and, and she was genuinely surprised that President Biden called her out, called her name. Um, and you heard her say, oh, my gosh, <laughs> thank you. You could hear that. Uh, audibly. I hope you were able to hear it. And um, <laughs> that was really good. And you can tell that President, look, President Biden is 80 years of age. And I'm not saying anything about his age. I'm just mentioning his age. Age is but a number. And uh, we have a very ageist culture and ageist society here in the United States and across Western Europe and much of European culture um, does not value people who get to be 80 years of age. They don't value people who are 50 or 60, let alone 80. I mean, you know, especially here in the United States where we throw away people once they become 30. I mean, especially women of any racial background. As soon as a woman, the average, whatever that means, right, average, as soon as a female person hits the age of 30, 35, um, they are told, dear listener, and if you're a female listening to me, you can tell me if I am telling the truth or whether I am not. As soon as you, as a 35-year-old woman, as soon as you hit 35, you receive all kinds of messages telling you that it's over for you. You receive all kinds of messages, you know, saying that your days as someone who is vibrant and viable are finished. That's what you're told by the culture. Not by me. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the culture here in the United States tells you that, says that to you, either blatantly or otherwise. Right. You see the ads, you see the Madison Avenue ad campaigns, all of the articles in the various magazines of choice. Oh, uh, you're 35 now. Is it too late to have a family? You, you know, you get all these kinds of articles thrown at you. The New York Times will write something, you know, or someone else will do it. It's just, you know, it's as if AARP is around the corner knocking on your door at 35 years of age. I saw an ad, by the way, the other day about the AARP, and it said, young people, it's on TV, young people should consider joining the AARP. Young people, what what age group are you talking about? 
I, I, I think people are young up to their 70s. And once you get towards your 80s, yeah. but look, I'm not trying to insult anyone. I'm simply saying. But it was just laughable to hear from the AARP on TV saying, hey, well, young people should consider joining the AARP. At what age? 17 years of age? Can they register to vote first? <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Anyway, the bottom line is, is that you heard President Biden calling this young woman, this sister named Ashley, kiddo. And that's all 1950s stuff, you know, that kind of stuff in the 1950s, kiddo. You know, that's kind of an, I don't even know if it's, anyway, I'm not even going to say whether, what if, it, if it's got to do with ethnicity. But that's something that maybe that does happen in some uh, ethnic cultures, I don't know. But kiddo, that's the kind of thing that you would hear in the 50s or 60s. Maybe even into the 1970s. That might be something that's more of an Irish saying. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But the bottom line is that you can tell the age difference. Um, President Biden comes from a very different generation. Very different generation from the generations after that. Um, And uh, look, he was, um, I think he was born as a baby boomer. Or just before baby boomer. No, baby boomer. Uh, Yeah, he was born before the baby boomer years. The baby boomer years are in the, the, the 40s through... I think the mid-1960s. So, yeah, President Biden was born before the 1940s. So that would, you know, he was born in what, in, uh, in uh, 32. 1932, mate. Wow. He had seen... Wow, I just think about 1932. Think about what President Biden seen. He was a little boy when Hitler was taking over swaths of Europe. And he is old enough to remember the end of World War II. That's how old President Biden is. Anyway, let me say, let me not start to contradict myself because I said, look, I don't, I'm not trying to say there's anything, I'm not trying to be ageist or anything, but, you know, here I am now. It's not being ageist, it's just... Me stepping back and appreciating, if you will, the kind of world history that President Biden has lived through. And there are lots of people in the United States and in countries farther afield than this one who have witnessed the same kind of history or can remember it or are old enough to remember it. I mean, if you're four or five years old during World War II, you don't remember that. But if you are a teenager like President Biden was at that time, in 1946, when the war ended, you're old enough to remember that. That's staggering, man. Think about that. You're old enough to remember that. He was 13 years old when that war ended. Goodness gracious me, that's just, um, well, really, that's, he was just short of his 14th birthday by a few months. Old enough to remember that. At 13, you do have a memory of something. But anyway, um, all of, gosh, I did take a long time to talk about Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Anyway, <laughs> I do want to um, say that there's, there's lots of news coming. Uh, we've got lots going on. The Mephipristone situation. Um, I've told you about that in the in episode over the weekend that was done here on the Political Daily Podcast. Uh, we've got lots more to talk about with this week. I'm going to get back to civics lessons and state legislatures and understanding of how they work, how yours might work. Um, but we have to start focusing on voting and we have to focus on getting educated about the political system in this country. More people are educated about guns in this country than they are about legislatures that that are in their state or in their city. Uh, you, you, We have to reframe and refocus what the story is here because now you're hearing a spate of stories about gun violence as if gun violence hasn't always been here. I mean, that's not to say that we shouldn't focus on it. Of course we should. It's one of, it's the most, arguably the most serious problem we have, you know, is gun violence in this country. But let me say this to you. I shouldn't say but, and, and let me say this to you. We've had people who are homeowners, white male 
homeowners specifically I'm talking about, who've been doing this for centuries, shooting at people who don't look like them. These people are evil. These people are hateful. These people are violent and bloodthirsty. And they want an excuse to get their metaphorical rocks off. That's what they want an excuse to do. And they expect the Lord to protect them. You know why? Because the Lord did protect them and still does. White male property owners. Here's my gun. I'm going to protect my property. And here's my 12 gauge shotgun. And I'm going to shoot anything that moves. If the wind blows, I'm going to shoot at it. I'm going to shoot the wind. I mean, this is how stupid these people are. Stoked with hate and violence and fear. I'm going to shoot at a shadow. Man, I just saw a shadow move. I'm going to shoot at it. I'm going to shoot the shadow. How freaking crazy are these? It's not craziness. No, 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 no. It's evil and it's violence. And it's an emptiness and it's a poverty in the hearts and the souls of these people. That they value guns more than they value your life. That's what's going on. You have these people with the guns and they have more guns than they have know what to do with. They've got more guns than ammo, for God's sakes, than rounds of ammo. And then these people are absolutely cock-a-hoop with their gun. I mean, some of these people own 10, 20, 100, 200 guns. You're never going to fire all those guns in your lifetime. And you're not owning these guns for show. You're using these darn things. There has been a long history of this, by the way, a long history of it, of these people shooting their gun and asking questions never. Shoot first, ask questions never. That's how it goes. I'll be getting into that. Of course, you're hearing a lot of these stories now as if this is brand new. Oh, they shot me when I went down a driveway and that's been going on. I'm not, again, I'm not minimizing this. I'm simply saying that's been going on in this country for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. Really. And we need to end it. We need to end it. Of course we do. Of, of course we do. Anyway, what I want to say here, dear listener, is look, there's a lot on the table coming up this week. And I'll be talking about some of it. By the way, in the United Kingdom, Dominic Robb, the... Uh, well, goodness, he's in the cabinet of Rishi Sunak. He was in the cabinet of Boris Johnson for a while. Um, was not in the cabinet of, of uh, was not in the cabinet of uh, Liz Truss, who was in all, all of forty nine days, and but was in the cabinet of Theresa May. I think briefly. Briefly, uh, he resigned last week because of a bullying investigation that found that he bullied people. And there's so many more of these conservative MPs like Dominic Robb in the United Kingdom who bully. And they are still in Rishi Sunak's cabinet. Rishi Sunak has got to get rid of these people, Suella Braffman, and others who continue to do this. It's just heinous to have people in government who don't serve the interests of the people. Hardly the first time, I get it, but it is heinous nonetheless. And I think what we need to do is when you have the elections in the United Kingdom, my, my native country, coming up next month in these, in these elections, in these uh, elections that will be going on, you need to vote these conservatives out. Lay the groundwork for next year's general election in the United Kingdom. Anyway, I've said way too much here <laughs> that I should have said in a new episode, which means I'll probably repeat, I know, some of the stuff that I've said here. But I need to do that and lay the foundation for what's going to be coming up this week. At least some of what will come up this week on the Politocrat Daily Podcast. Your listening ear is well valued. Thank you very much indeed for listening. I really appreciate you each and every day and every time you listen. Thank you very much indeed. Don't forget to follow along on Twitter at the popcorn R-E-E-L. And of course... Follow along with this podcast, subscribe and download and share this podcast. It's available on numerous podcasting platforms, Audible, Odyssey, Pandora, Apple, you name it. Jesus, so many. Oh, gosh, I could go on and on. 
Amazon Music, everywhere. Please, uh, Spotify, I dare say. You know, all of these platforms have the Politocrat Daily Podcast on them. I would welcome your subscription to this podcast. Download it now. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.